Welcome to the Busy Mumsy Podcast, Season 2. I'm your forever coffee-infused host, Ashley Verma, and we are all here weekly to share the ups, downs, and all-arounds of the wild world of parenting. A safe space, a Lego-free space, to vent, to inspire, and well, perhaps this is the only adult conversation you hear all day. What is Adia doing? A, B, C, D. <laughs> is that funny? So each week, I will be joined by a fellow striving, thriving, and surviving busy mumsy. We learn together. We grow together. Hell, we cheers with an adult bevy when necessary. I get it. I am human and failures simply happen. I am not shiny and I am never filtered unapologetically. I am at its best. Even when the dishes aren't done, there's crayon on the wall, and well, my hair hasn't been washed in forever. I am Busy Mumsy. Happy Wednesday, my glorious Busy Mumsies. Ash here, and today we are chatting with Sophie Bertrand, who is a registered nutritionist and co-author of Forking Wellness. Sophie has a BSc in psychology and MSc in clinical nutrition. She understands the importance of marrying the two together to support good health. I personally love that she did many, many interviews around this. And here's a quote that literally just resonated with me in numerous articles that Sophie has been featured in. The quote goes like this. Okay. There is so much more to eating well than just eating well. Healthy looks different on everyone and everybody. I freaking love that. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again for you. Her quote, there is so much more to eating well than just eating well. Healthy looks different on everyone and everybody. Take it in. Let it resonate with you because I know that you need to hear this. I always need to hear this. It's just good for the mind, good for the soul. Let's dive into this week's Busy Mumsy Chat. Sophie Bertrand, welcome to the Busy Mumsy podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so lovely to connect because I feel like we met before at Define, working yes, out. Yes, at Define, yeah. Yep. Right, somewhere fitnessy in the land of London. I feel like you definitely have been to Define my, oh. I used to love heart. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it breaks my heart that it is no more. However, oh. I have been told that the flower wall is still up on the premise. Love to know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it's the, the daggers that 2020 threw at everyone, whether they're not a business owner or a business owner, it just is what it is. And um, sadly, we had to say goodbye to it. I know, but we had some good times there. We did. A lot of pulsing and squeezing and, and pushing. And, yeah. <laughs> Your best pen, I tell you. <laughs> well, enough about that and more about you as I i actually have not had a nutritionist come on to the podcast in quite some oh. time. I mean, to be fair, I feel like the last time I had a nutritionist on was when Rihanna Lambert was on. So it's been oh, a minute. Awesome. Oh, yeah. And of it, like we met through Rihanna as well because I used to come to Define with her. So Yeah. So it's just so nice. That, a nice little full circle moment that 100%. Rihanna is still involved somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, you are obviously... You are a nutritionist, but um, a mama bear already to a little boy, and you mm -hmm. are expecting, which is super exciting. How far along are you, Sophie? 
I'm 27 weeks. Um, oh. I I just can't believe it. Um, yeah, being a mum is the most difficult thing, as I'm sure you know, but the most rewarding and exciting and chaotic job there is. So <laughs> we're just going to add to the chaos. It's so easy. It's so easy. I mean, I have it all figured out. Oh, I wish I did. <laughs> nobody. Well, I, then I, I have to ask, how is pregnancy number two compared to your first round? It's very, very different. Um, when I look back at my first one, I kind of, you don't know how lucky you are with the first pregnancy. You get to still live your life and rest when you want to rest and use the excuse of you're pregnant. And when you've got a toddler running around, it's, you know, you get up and you get on with it. And that's that. <laughs> so less complaining. Less yes. Oh, oh. And what about like for you personally, different in your body this time around or is it just very similar it's old hat for you and you're just moving forward it's actually quite similar I, I'm I know I'm quite lucky in the sense that I don't get any kind of horrendous symptoms I'm able to kind of just carry on and I do make a big effort to work out and eat well and you know because now I know how difficult it is when the baby uh, comes um I am making the most of, you know, having this little human inside of me because it's definitely easier to look after the baby when they're in your tummy than outside, I think. <laughs> you just uh, touched on it. How daunting was it for you with baby number one? And oh my goodness. Uh, it's no secret. And I, I can't even tell you how much I struggled. I completely lost my identity overnight everything I knew the day before he was born was no more and I this is you know nothing on my husband but I had a lot of resentment towards my husband because I got I looked at him living a pretty similar life than he, he did before you know Romeo arrived you know he was still working and walking out the door and getting a coffee and driving to work on his own and just simple things like showering and you know going for a workout oh going for a haircut oh yeah and well even like going to the toilet and washing mm. your hair and you know all these things that you know you're supposed to be able to do in a day I couldn't do anymore and like I said that's not you know that wasn't his fault unfortunately that's the way it is you know I was breastfeeding um every hour pretty much and I just was in just the worst headspace ever <laughs> You know, I actually just really appreciate that you were so honest with that because, you know, I think it's easy to come on and just say, oh, yeah, every, you know, we tried to make it work and this, that and the other. I, too, have been very open in saying that, like, the buck was definitely not a 50-50 draw here. It definitely weighed on my shoulders. And mm -hmm. I, too built up a lot of resentment towards my husband in those early stages. And especially to, um, I, I, I don't recall, I can't off the top of my head when you had Romeo, but like when I had Adia, it was just before the lockdown. So go, then going into the lockdown and figuring it all out. And then and he's trying to do his business, which is in Uganda. Uh, it was just bananas yeah. that we were, we, we were locking horns. Yeah, we um, we were actually coming out of lockdown and I felt like everyone else was out living their life and I was stuck inside with a newborn that I didn't know how to look after properly. And yeah, we were also living with my parents because we were renovating. So that felt really claustrophobic. Um, it, you know, as helpful as they were, it was definitely had its pros and cons. 
And I just found the whole thing really, really difficult. And it honestly took me until he was nine months old for me to feel myself again. It really, really did. You know, there, there were times along the way where I was like, oh, okay, I'm getting it. I'm figuring it out slowly. But to, to be back to my physical and mental health prior to having him, it took me nine months. I, I mean, I, I'm, I, I took a lot longer than that. And I think it's a, a different journey for everyone. And mm-hmm. great that you took nine months. And if, if, I'm not going to turn this into a therapy session, but I am, I am wondering, where, what was it for you and your husband? Like, did you guys have a sit down? Did you, have, did you finally have that conversation of like, this is what we need to work on so that we move together as a unit? Because resentment can linger. Resentment mm-hmm. can hit your gut and not move anywhere in your gut for quite some time. I've, would you be willing to share, like, how was it for you to kind of maneuver through, navigate through that, if you will? Yeah, I think constant communication is key. And it didn't mean it worked every time. You know, there were definitely times where we'd sit down and argue and we wouldn't resolve anything. Um, but I had to get into my head that how I was feeling was not his fault because there would be times where Romeo would be crying at me all day long and I just used to want to record his crying I didn't but I wanted to record it and send it to my husband and be like this is my day and I wanted him to feel the pain and the psychoticness that I was feeling but that wasn't his fault you know it wasn't his fault that I was at home struggling and Romeo was crying all day he had to go we both run our own business one of us had to be out making money Um, And like I said, I was breastfeeding. So it was a lot of work together and work on myself to say, you need to stop blaming him for every single thing, negative thing that you are feeling. Um, And yeah, like I said, just constant communication and kind of an acceptance that the guys are never going to quite understand what us women go through physically and mentally. I had to accept that he's never going to fully get it. And I so wanted him to get it. I wanted him to see how much my life had changed. And, you know, in his head, I probably can't see things from his point of view. You know, he's out working and making more money than me and providing for our family. And that's a pressure that I don't necessarily understand. So it's just, it was kind of, like I said, sitting down, constant communication and just accepting that we have different roles. You know, you made a very fair point there in saying you don't know how he feels. Mm -hmm. And I instantly think about my husband. And he said to me once, well, you don't understand that when Adia doesn't want to come to me, she doesn't want me to take her for her bath time or she doesn't Mm -hmm. want me to read her a book at night. She wants mommy. And it's so true that we do all collectively as a family unit need to have those moments of stepping back and going, oh, well, the other person is feeling this way. It's not like, I do feel like in those early stages of motherhood, especially we get so caught up into like our head because our hormones yeah. are like, oh my God, they, crazy. where did they go? Like, I, I, I swear to God, they went to a completely opposite country of where I was, was raising Adia at that moment. And you just go, holy hell, like, how do I get back to me? And yet, Two, you signed up as a partnership, right? And then mm-hmm. how do you have that partnership? Yeah. Wow. And it's, it's so fair in saying like, you don't know what your partner is going through at that time as well. Yeah, I was going to say, when I take a step back, I, I was so sleep deprived. Like Romeo was honestly, he would breastfeed every hour. 
and I just was not getting any blocks of sleep. They were like naps in between his breastfeeding. And I, I was going psychotic. And for my husband, he was living with this person that he didn't recognize anymore because I was angry all the time and I was saving all my patience and my love for Romeo so I didn't have any leftover for my husband. And that must have been difficult for him. It wasn't anyone's fault. It was circumstantial. But again, you know, he was feeling that and I was refusing to address it in the beginning because I was so fixated on how much my life had changed and how awful I felt. <laughs> no, it's so true. And I, I, I love that you brought up his perspective as well. It's so important that we do shed light on both sides. And for you then, as, as like you have already said, and I know you are a business owner, your husband is his own business owner. Mm-hmm. When was the moment for you to go, I'm ready to step back forward into that business hat, work on, you know, what you love passionately doing, but still being that a thousand percent carrying the buck mom. Yeah, I am. I don't know if it was kind of one moment, but I, I did go back to work quite early. I was booking jobs from when he was four weeks old and I was so desperate to do them because so much of my old identity lied in that. So I was so desperate to hang on to what was, you know, before I had him. And I was very lucky, like I said, to be with my mom and she would help me out with looking after Romeo. And there would be days where I'd be on set shooting and he would be screaming in the background. And obviously they'd cancel out the noise. But, you know, it was really, really tough. Um, But when he turned a year old, we took him to America uh, on our honeymoon with us. (laughs) And... um, we sat down one night, um, it was just the two of us and we were having dinner and we had a chat and I said, you know, I want to launch myself properly back into my business because I feel like my head has been so fixated on being a mum and I finally feel like I can move forward without feeling guilty of, you know, running my own business with my whole heart in it as well as being a mum and that was kind of one of the big turning points. Um, he's almost two now, so almost a year ago um, and you you can do both and you shouldn't feel guilty and I think there is this big kind of you know, and this it, it goes two ways because people who are a full-time stay-at-home mum, they often get comments like, oh, it's all right for you, you don't work. I think that's the hardest job in the world, being a stay-at-home full-time mum. I couldn't do it. I'd be insane. I need my work to balance out my mum life so that I can be a better and more patient mum to Romeo. Oh, no, Sophie, I literally instantly think of moments where I've almost flipped tables at dinners where they're like, well, what do you do? Oh, do you go for like mom coffee dates? Yeah. Do you live a life of like leisure? And I know I'm like smoke out of my ears. I, I literally am like, I, you're going to get like real Americana Ashley in a second <laughs> if you don't reel it back in. It's bananas because it is it, you literally not only have your nutrition business, you now also have a mom business. You are a mother. It is full time. Even if you have a partner that is sharing 50%, 20%, 90%, it is still, it's a human being that needs nurture, love, building blocks, right? And yeah. everyone that is around that child is putting in their full effort. It's a lot. And it now- is. And now, Sophie, you have, you know, you stepped up to the plate. You're, you're baby number two on the way. I know. Well, I literally, what am I doing? I've just worked it all out. And now I'm going to throw another one into the mix. 
Oh, I, I have to say, because you, you had this fabulous ebook that came out was Feed Your Pregnancy. Was that something that you developed during your first pregnancy or mm-hmm. was this or after? Like, what, when did you create this ebook? And like, like, can you tell us more about it and what the reader can find that could help them along their pregnancy? Yeah, I literally, I created it and shot it whilst I was pregnant. Um, I was working on the content and the recipes in kind of my second trimester. And then I did the shoot for it in my third trimester, um, which was very fitting as I looked very pregnant. Um, But I just, it's one of the, well, it probably is the biggest responsibility, isn't it? To obviously grow and nurture a child. And then when it's here, it's completely reliant on you, like you said, in order to thrive. Um, And I just wanted to give future, you know, mums who you literally have no idea what you're doing with your first baby. Like you think you do, but you don't. You quickly realize you don't. Anyway, that was what I I experienced. So I wanted to give a resource to mums who, you know, felt like they needed a bit of support and not, you know, I'm very aware not everyone can afford to see a nutritionist. It's an expensive investment. And it really is packed with information that's not overwhelming, Um, particularly the first trimester recipes. It's, they're very easy carby um kind of comfort food because I don't know anyone who eats well balanced you know vegetable based meals in their first trimester because you feel so sick Um, and a lot of mums feel anxious and worried about that and I wanted to put down all the information you know the baby will draw off your nutrient reserves prior to the pregnancy so you don't need to worry about that first trimester I won't you know bore you with all the information but everything is in there in order to just comfort you through that like that magical but kind of daunting and confusing time of growing a human inside your tummy well you know what gets really confusing when you are pregnant well firstly that first trimester you're just like you're like so excited yet you, and you just want to grab everything like I yeah. I was like hands up I'm guilty I will eat all the Snickers bars possible <laughs> wash it down with a a Twix and then have a big old hunk of cheese. I was very naughty. But as you progress through your pregnancy and you're like a bit more like, wait a minute, my hips have moved. My pelvis is Mm -hmm. tilted. My diaphragm is in my neck now. (laughs) My ribs have literally gone so far, you know, east and west. I never knew possible. What do you as a nutritionist advise for someone who is expecting into that second, third trimester where they're, you know, cause this is where we're getting like tested for diabetes and like mm-hmm. a lot of doors start to swing open about your health and your cholesterol and your heart rate and swelling and water retention. Like what are some tips, what, what guidance from you as a nutritionist that can help someone that's kind of now nearing into that world with the big changes? Mm. It's a, it's a total myth that you need to eat for two in your pregnancy. And I know it would be great if we did need to eat for two. Okay, um, I didn't say that. I didn't hear you say that. You know why? Because I ate for five. Okay. I ate for five. <laughs> it's okay. You're looking very glowy and healthy right now. So it can't have done that much damage. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, but what I will say is from my own personal um, experience and from what I know based on the knowledge that I have, if you look after yourself as best you can in pregnancy, you will have a smoother recovery on the other side. That's not guaranteed, but you know, I worked out a lot in my first pregnancy and I ate as well as I 
possibly could you know there were definitely nights where I'd consume an entire box of chocolates on my own with no regrets um but for the most part everything was quite balanced and I did make an effort to look after myself and from a physical point of view I had a very smooth pregnancy I was very very lucky um and you know I didn't struggle with um my body image I know that you know that the mind comes into play there as well and you know depending on how you feel about your body but I hear so many women like I can't you know I can't shift the last stone or you know I've got these like six pounds I just can't get rid of it's all in my tummy and you know if you have been excessive in your pregnancy then getting back to your pre-pregnancy weight if that is something you want to do and you know that doesn't happen for every woman because all our bodies are different anyway but you will do yourself a favor by nourishing yourself from a nutritional standpoint on this side of the pregnancy um and then when you get to the other side um it will it will hopefully make things a little bit easier for you is there kind of like a guidance of if i am 59 and i weigh 125 mm. pounds how much i should put on like how much i should like what like, is there an actual metric scale for this? Or is this just every body type, every person is different? And that's what we're living with. I mean, a bit of both. I would, there is um, guidelines in regards to how much weight you should, in quotes, put on. But I would take it with a pinch of salt because it doesn't take into consideration people's muscle mass and their build and their genetics and things like that. If you are underweight, you definitely have more room to put more weight on. And if you are um obese or overweight then you know the guidelines are to not put as much weight on but i wouldn't focus too much on the numbers like i said i would just focus on the quality of your diet um and check in with your midwife if you do have concerns in regards to your weight gain and you know people are different some people put on a lot of weight in their first and second trimester and then it slows down in the third because you know quite often I, I definitely experienced in my third trimester with my first that you get full very very quickly you know that baby sat you're taking up the majority of your stomach so it's little and often um so you can't sit there and eat you know the box of chocolates that you ate in your first trimester because you you physically can't fit it in but some people have a horrendous first trimester and actually end up losing weight so they'll pick up the weight gain in their second and third trimester so it's very, very different. But my, my best piece of advice would be to not get hung up on the numbers. Like you're growing a human. So please don't try and diet and lose weight and get too hung up on how you look. Because as long as that baby is growing healthy, that's all you should be worried about. Agreed. I have to share, and I don't know if you, you know, agree with this or not, but when I was going in for my, you know, exams and, you know, follow-up mm -hmm. events as, as the lovely journey of pregnancy... <laughs> ventured on um, and my waddle became slower and slower. Yeah. I, when I would go in and they would want to weigh me, I would simply turn around and I, I made it very known to the doctor from day one. I do not want to know my weight at the start and I don't want to know the weight at the finish. Mm -hmm. I just want you to tell me if I am in some sort of red zone, Ashley, Danger, you yeah. do something, then you tell me. So when I went in, I just turned my back. I was like, I'm going to get on the scales backwards. I don't want to see the paperwork. I don't want you to say anything to me unless I'm in the red zone. 
I love that. And I've actually always encouraged clients that I work with that if for any reason they go to their GP and they want to weigh them, I say, you know, step on backwards, make it clear you don't, you're not interested in knowing that number. And very weirdly, in my first pregnancy, we were in COVID kind of, like I said, we came out of lockdown just as he was born. Um, and I was not weighed once. I was never, you know, my bump wasn't measured, my weight wasn't taken ever which I found really strange, um, not that I wanted it done. But now in my second pregnancy, I'm 27 weeks, and I think I've been weighed like four times. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I haven't got a clue what the number is, because like like you, I step on backwards. I haven't got any interest in knowing that number. Um, you know, I'm, I know I'm growing my baby healthy. So, but yeah, you have every right to say, actually, that is of no interest. And, in, you know, that number is not going to enhance my life. So no, thank you. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm so with you. And I'm, I'm glad I made the choice because there were so many other things to worry about, right? There's so yeah. many other things that the last thing I need to knew, know is like walking out of the doctor's office. Well, Ashley, you have put on a solid 75 yeah. pounds and <laughs> no one is giving you a trophy for that. I mean, I literally live in the land of sciatica ever since having my daughter. I know I put oh. the weight on, but I made healthy choices I also was not crazy about losing the weight and like, it wasn't a priority of mine, but I also think it wasn't a priority of mine because we were coming, we were in lockdown and I was in such a sink or swim with my business mm. that nothing else mattered. I could, yeah. it was, Adia was there. I was training clients way too soon post cesarean and I was in survival and I could care less if yeah. I, I had a gut and cellulite and things didn't fit properly. I just angled that damn camera and was like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, you go for it, girl. I mean, I really surprised myself when, um, because your, your tummy looks weird, right? When you've just given birth, because all your all your insides are still a little bit out of place. They take some, they take some time to go back. And I was really nervous. I kept saying, you know, I packed for my mum's house and all I packed myself was joggers, huge, great big t-shirts, jumpers, sweats, ev like everything baggy. Because I was like, I don't want to look at my body. I don't like, I'm not going to feel good about it. And I was so surprised at how little I cared because you just have this tiny human who's like so reliant on you and it, it just consumes you in the best way possible. And I was like, and I just remember thinking, I don't care what my tummy looks like. It was so liberating. <laughs> Agreed. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, looking at that little baby back then and you as a nutritionist, how have you guided your son through weaning and him, you know, developing and everything? Is it more plant based? Are you just kind of like he eats whatever? Like for you as a nutritionist, because now it's like it's I would think it'd be very hard to sh take that hat off and let your I child know. like have a free for all with Cheetos. So how, yeah. how do you kind of raise your son eating properly and understanding food? I'm going to be super honest and I've got my nutritionist hat and then I've got my hat of myself who had an eating disorder when I was younger and had the worst relationship growing up with food. So I've got, I've constantly, I maybe obsess is, you know, a strong word, but I so don't want him to have an unhealthy relationship with food. It's like a fear of mine. So, you know, I don't want him, I'm just going to be super honest. I don't want him eating cereals like Rice Krispies. 
However, his nursery called me the other day and said, all the kids are having Rice Krispies for breakfast. We know you've said you don't want him to have them, but he really is, you know, looking quite sad, sitting next to his friends, wanting to try the Rice Krispies. And I said, let him have them. Because to me, that was more important that he felt included and like he had control and flexibility over his food than me obsessing over, you know, the small amount of sugar he was going to have that day. So that's just an example. Um, I get him in the kitchen with me. I get him cooking. I encourage him to try new foods. But I also, I will never sit and talk about the food with him when he's eating. I'll, I'll talk about our day and what we're doing and, you know, what exciting things we did. I want it to, I just want to keep the whole food environment super, super positive. And, you know, I'm going to make mistakes along the way. Every mom does. But I just do my best to not put pressure on him. Uh, he definitely doesn't eat as much of the vegetables as I would like him to, but I don't know any toddler that does. So I have Wait to be reminding I'm myself gonna that. There, I'm going to dive in there because you are the expert. You you are the nutritionist. You There has to be at least a couple hacks in the kitchen then that you can share because I feel yeah, like you're more versed at this than I ever would be. So please give me some hacks. Okay. Do you know what I found to be really helpful? So Romeo will only eat broccoli and red pepper if he is sat in the supermarket in the trolley and I've picked it out off the shelf and I hand it to him and he will eat it raw my face I know. my face I know. and like if I served that on a plate to you Romeo you would make a point of not touching it it's because they need to feel like they're in control of their food choices um also if I am cooking something with him and I have him right here in the kitchen with me getting in on the action I'll say can you add the spinach to the bowl and he'll put some in his mouth. He won't always swallow it and eat it, but he'll, he's much more likely to try foods when there's kind of, he's not sat there and he's been given his plate and this is what he's expected to eat. So um, smoothies are a good one if you're just that desperate to get some veg into your child. Yeah, that's um, and just, just and keep smoothies with Adia. <laughs> but just keep going, keep exposing them. I honestly, I can serve broccoli to Romeo 10 times and he might eat it once if I'm lucky, but you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> no, it, it's true because I also get all, and I still get all worked up about, it. I'll be like, all these people on Instagram have the most beautiful plates for their child. Can I just say I, they're not eating them? She would throw it, talk, give it to our dog Baxter. I mean, like that would, that, that's like, oh my dog. Yeah. Like Baxter, I love him to death, but he's put on a few LBs. I'm not going to lie since Adia has yeah. been around because she will not, she likes, I, I, and I know that I need to like change this up. Like she likes her like peanut butter on toast. Sorry, oh, I didn't say peanut, butter, but she peanut, peanut butter. butter. Yeah, I know. And it's like, she's now kind of like not eating as much of it in the morning. And she's taking in like the fruits and like the yogurts mm -hmm. and, and that kind of stuff more so over it. But it's there. It's kind of like that comfort, consistent Thing right now that we need to kind of break how do you break these cycles Sophie how do we break you know them Wait, there's something in the air because we're going through an obsession with peanut butter at the moment he, he had it on his pasta the other night I felt awful because I felt you know the only way he would eat his pasta is if I put peanut butter on it and I thought I'm definitely doing the wrong thing here but at least he's eating his pasta <laughs> um, I like us, first of all, peanut butter is very nutritious. Essential fats, protein, you know, fills them up. Um, but that, like us, we, you, it's a phase. 
they'll go through phases they'll get bored of it she's not going to be obsessed with peanut butter for her entire life and that's the only thing she's going to want to eat um so just ride it out and like i said keep offering the variety keep that variety there it's so easy to think well her favorite thing for breakfast is peanut butter on toast so i'll give her that every single day like you said keep offering some fruit and some yogurt alongside switch it up some mornings and there are times where I'll lie to Romeo and say, actually, we haven't got any peanut butter today. We're going to have something different. <laughs> oh, wow. I, have, I haven't done that yet. I think it's, I, it's I, I will have to say my one issue is that because we're so timed in the morning to get to school, yeah. that it's like, I don't want to screw up the breakfast plan right now. Cause every, like we're like, we're like a well-oiled machine currently. Yeah. It's like a military operation. I know I need to cog it and I know I need to switch it up. I know. I, I understand it. What do you know now as a mom, as an expecting baby number two mama bear that you were like, whoa, and you want to pass that torch to that another expecting busy mumsy that you would like to share that wisdom that has really helped you through? Um, I think, first of all, like we just said, everything is a phase and you just don't notice them growing up. Like, I honestly look back at this time last year and how much Romeo's changed and grown into this little toddler. And you just, sometimes you're wishing the days away because you can't cope. And that's completely normal. You don't need to feel guilty for doing that, but it will pass. And I think you have to keep reminding yourself that I was very guilty of standing in this moment being like, this is my life and I can't take it. Like, I can't do this life and this is now my life. But it does change. Um, something that's really stuck with me as well that I can't remember when I decided to start saying to myself, but I was so petrified in the beginning of even driving in my car with Romeo. I was scared to do anything on my own with him. I thought I was so incompetent as a mum that I couldn't possibly be trusted. Um, but I started saying to myself, this mum can, you know, I can do it. I can go and get in the car and pick myself up a coffee with my baby. I can go to the shops and get a food shop with my baby. Sometimes they're going to scream when you're out and you're going to be embarrassed. Whatever. doesn't matter. You're a mum trying to find a way. Just keep pushing yourself to do it and it will become more second nature. Oh, yes, you can. I appreciate you saying that. And I'm going to remind myself of that later on today. It's a beautiful thing. Sophie Bertrand, thank you so much for your words of wisdom. And all of um, Sophie's details are in the show notes. So you can go check out her website and all things nutrition by Sophie Bertrand. Have a glorious day. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this week's show. Did you like it, Adia? Yes! Oh, the enthusiasm. I love it. Please share your love by giving us a five-star rating, a rock and review, and please share with any fellow Busy Mumsies. We love hearing from you. So if you want to get in touch, head to the Busy Mumsy show notes for further details and links to the Busy Mumsy website. So long for now. Can you say bye-bye, Adia? Bye-bye, Adia. <laughs> Hi, my name is Kay Adams. And to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process. So I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.